We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Jacked Ramsey's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague. It is a Jacked Ramsey's mailbag edition. Let's get the other stuff out of the way real quick. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show. If you're new here, if you're watching along live on YouTube, please click subscribe. Help us grow. If you're watching on the replay, click subscribe. Help us grow the show. That's how this works. Uh, we are, our growth has been tremendous. We literally just had the best month we've ever had. And it seems like every week it's the next best week and the next best 28 days and the next best 90 days. Um, so thank you guys. I appreciate you. I love you. We love you. Um, it's It's been very, very cool to watch this thing go the way that it's gone um obviously it's a lot more fun and a lot more interesting when the blazers are winning if you're a basketball junkie then you know there's no better time of year than the nba playoffs twice a week jj reddick is cooking on his podcast the old man and the three he has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else including devin booker on why he talks so much trash ray allen's epic free throw competitions with lebron in miami and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, <laughs> uh, speaking from doing this last year during that run <laughs> to now, my God. Uh, Brandon, it's a mailbag edition, which means we have yeah. a bajillion questions. But first, um, the Blazers finish up a six-game road trip, going four and two. We said when they went out, two and four, not bad. Three and three, all right. Anything more than that, man? We'll take it. Oh, and they had an opportunity, Danny, to go five and one. I mean, let's not overlook what happened in that Dallas game and how close that one was. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, I, I hate that team officially. I cannot wait to eliminate them in the playoffs. <laughs> I'm going to take a lot of delight in it. And, uh, um, Luca's a tough cover in the playoffs, man. You saw what they're going to do in the playoffs. Yeah, he is a tough cover. He's one of the best players in the league. That's not surprising anybody, but I think if it, it boils down to it, are they, are they going to repeat what they did last year? And I know Christian to somebody is 
Well, but what I mean is Christian Wood's an upgrade for them. Mm-hmm. And I like some of their pieces, but can that can that work again that way where I feel like it's just so Luka dependent? Maybe. Maybe he's Braun, and that's kind of what this is going to be in the West now through Luka. But uh, I cannot wait for them to eliminate them. I hate that team now. And 5-1 uh, and one was right there, but you take 4-2 and two all day. Uh, let's kind of cover the back half of this trip because we, we kind of covered the front half of this trip of the two games in Phoenix and then uh, a, a stellar performance really in Miami. I mean that's you, you take great that, performance and you yeah. take that and you run every single time. The Blazers uh, picked up quite a few wins uh, on this trip, shorthanded. Mm-hmm. And apparently, my wife just got home because the puppies are going crazy. Uh, <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, there's there's injuries going on right now. <laughs> dogs yelping in the background." Um, but the Blazers have been one of the better stories. Of the year, I think across the NBA, going nine sure. and four to start the season, they're not currently number one in the West because the Crazy. Jazz have gone five hundred the last two games. They're now ten and five, uh, and the Blazers get a chance to knock another team that's above them or considered a contender right now in the Jazz on this homestand. They play both the Spurs and the Jazz, uh, so it'll be it'll be fun to see kind of like the two fun um, upstart teams in the West and the, and the Blazers and the Jazz kind of go at each other and see the new look teams and how they kind of have it all figured out or, or what they have figured out. Um, but as far as this road trip goes, the Blazers won games without Damian Lillard and Anthony Simons. They won games without Damian Lillard. They won games without Jeremy Grant. They won games without Yusuf Nurkic. They won games without Justice Winslow. Like, they they got a ton done. Basically, the entire rotation. I think Nasir Little is the only guy in the rotation that hasn't missed a game, right? Did Josh, uh, mi- did Josh miss a game? I'm trying to remember. Josh has not missed a game. Josh has not missed a game. So Josh and Nasir are the two guys in the regular eight-man who haven't missed a game. Well, here's the crazy thing. One, what 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 do you think the odds would have been if we could place a bet that when Portland and Utah play... They'd be the two best teams in the they'd West. Be, they'd be two of the three best teams in the Western Conference. <laughs> Listen, man, I, I bet you that you could get like a parlay exacta Oh, that wouldn't God. come close to the odds you would get on those two teams. Well, you know, I just want to take a second to recognize everything that's gone on, man. Like Bill Orem, the uh, columnist for the Oregonian, I thought he had a funny tweet. He goes, who uh, who had the Blazers being at any one point the one seed in the West? Not me. And I almost responded, well, Bill, they could have started 1-0 and and I'd have believed you. You know what I mean? Like that, I did not A week in the this. season? maybe you know but even then like it was a tough schedule to start we were like oh this this schedule's a little rough two weeks of the season Mm-mm. three weeks into the season Mm-mm. nearly oh, a month fair no. I, I absolutely trashed their chances to start the year on any positive foot like yeah, I people like the maybe they go two and eight in the first 10 yeah that <laughs> like that was a real right thing here. i was like eh, maybe a little under 500 500 Okay. Right here. And so I just I want to take a second to, to acknowledge like how crazy it is that Utah and Portland are going to play and they're one and three in the West right now. As for your original point, I, I feel like that's kind of the definition of their season. And I think it kind of mm-hmm. defines who they are in a way, right? Like we'll get to some offensive stuff and some defensive numbers. And there's something that stood out when I looked at some stats on cleaning the glass last night and today I want to bring up to you. But I think it defines who they are just You'd rattled them off. Nurkic has been out now for a few games. Dame's missed a decent chunk of these games. Ant has sat. Justice has. I mean, the fact that you're losing these dudes, especially key rotation, rotation, yes. rotation guys, key guys. Like 
one's your leader and he's missed almost half these games. The other one's your hundred million dollar, you know, draft pick that you just got locked up on a contract. They're missing these games and they're winning them those games. So I think that just in itself, stats will speak for what they are, but I feel like that in itself kind of defines who they are, their ability to be what they are right now, despite all those injuries and those guys sitting. Nasir, Drew, and Josh are the only guys that have not missed a game from the from the rotation. That's crazy. So they played. What th- game did Jeremy miss again? What what game was that? Was that Charlotte? Charlotte? Okay. And yeah. he's been fighting through an ankle for a couple days now. Well, until they if they make a trade, then we'll have a different conversation. But I think until that point, Andy, they realize like we need to kind of value all of you, and yes. so we're gonna take some turns. Oh, your ankle's a little sore. Well, we got Houston tonight. Why don't got, you sit with Charlotte tonight? Out? And somebody asked, like, are these injuries for real? Are they kind of playing around, like getting guys rest? I think playoff games, Dame and Jeremy both go. I, I haven't been able to get a clear update of Nurk. And that doesn't mean anything's bad or good or otherwise. I just haven't got a clear update from on, on how Nurk is doing or, or how bad that is. Um, and since we're talking about injuries, I'll, I'll get into it right away. Gary Payton II is not going to go tomorrow against San Antonio. I know Chris Haynes jumped the gun, kind of, in a sense of people kind of got people just gung-ho about GP2 coming back. There's a reason I was been pumping the brakes literally for two months on GP2 saying Thanksgiving. He looks like he's, it sounds like he's doing five-on-five, five, but he's not going to play tomorrow. Does that mean mm-hmm. he plays against the Jazz? Mm-hmm. Does that mean he plays game three of this homestand? Mm-hmm. Again, Thanksgiving is what I keep going back on. If he comes back before that, great. If it goes past that, that's when I start to go, oh, this isn't good. That's not That's not great. Yeah. That's when I start not to worry, but I definitely raise more than one eyebrow at that. I'm like, hmm. This was on the back end of what expectations were, like Christmas, or Thanksgiving to uh, the beginning of December. That was kind yeah. of like, hey, if things were, were going that way, Okay, but if they get beyond that, then I start to kind of question where things sit. Um, well, I, I'm worried about it a little bit too, but I, I would just add, the only thing I'd add to that though, Danny, is there there is a shot for me where I, I think they are going to be uber cautious here because he's going to play big minutes. He is very vital to what he's play eighteen when he comes back. Like when he, he's going to be a, yeah. a, a, a smack dab in the middle of the rotation. He's instantly going to get those minutes because I think he can provide even more of a spark for their defense with, you know, Hyken wrote a good piece tonight on Rose Garden Report about their defense. Is it sustainable? You know, we can get mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, well, I think well, just... that's one of the questions we have on the mailbag. His, he did an interview with Seth Park now that was really good. And Kevin yeah. Pelton has kind of suggested the same thing. We'll, we'll dive into that stuff here in a little it, bit. It, it just, it suggests, I think, like this defense has been pretty good, surprisingly or unsurprisingly. And it's, you'd assume it's just going to get better by adding a Gary Payton second to the mix. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the thing is, is you look at where they are and, and and how good they have been. We still have not seen them entirely whole. Yeah. Um, as it pertains to Damian Lillard, I think everybody's kind of freaking out. Like, are they resting him as load management? Da, 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 da. The last game before he came back, him, the back-to-back, I should say, when they set him out the back-to-back, that was the Blazers load managing him. Mm-hmm. And just changing who they are. They have in the past, Olshay Stotts, they were gonna go, 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 go for every regular season win they can get. Yeah. That was how they define themselves. They are taking a a more holistic approach to what they're doing this season. And a lot of that has to do with Damian Lillard coming off 
the most significant injury in his career. Mm-hmm. And they're not they're just not going to rush him back. They're not going to be crazy. They're not going to do this. They're not going to do that. They're just going to be careful with guys. And I'm not against it. It's not something I'm seriously worried about. I'm not something I'm I'm frustrated about. I get it. Like I've been told that Dame was not happy. Like to the point of being pissed. <laughs> sure. About being sat down. But he that's loves the, to play basketball. Exactly. But that's the organization going, listen, man, we get it. We know what you're a warrior. You play through everything. Like that's you who you are. But we're worried about the eighty two. Not the one. I think they're worried past eighty two at this point. They are. I mean they're they're <laughs> Let's be honest. If if you want to be like, even if they didn't care about him as a person, which they do care about him as per, as a person, sure, they have a significant investment in him. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is something they need to go the full length of this deal. He's going to be pretty old and up there when he and gets being paid sixty million dollars a year. Yeah, and they'd like him to be like, hey, you know what Chris Paul's doing right now? Let's say, like, age oh, like Chris Paul. <laughs> Please age like Chris Paul. Yeah. You know, I'd add to it. I, I I love that he's pissed. That's kind of the competitor he's always been and why we like him so much. But from the organizational standpoint and Dame's perspective, he'd probably jump on this, but you're stupid, man. What a dumb thing to say. But yeah, I'm going to say I'm it playing. Anyway. Yeah. I'm going to say, no, there has to be a part of him, just a, a teeny bit, that has to admit that when he's sitting in there winning, he's like, this kind of nice. Oh shit! I got, I got, I actually got a team. Yeah, <laughs> like no, there, 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 there had no. Exists, right? Yeah, I mean, he said it. He said it without saying it when he went down originally with calf injury. He said, "Listen, if we can't go a couple games without me, we aren't the team we think we are, anyways." Mm-hmm. So he he said that without saying it. Like it was, it was very much clear of like, and that just kind of shows you where this team is at. Um, I want to give uh, credit where credits due. Um. Shifting gears here before we get into questions. Jeremy Grant is having basically playing the best basketball of his life. You're welcome. I told you he would. <laughs> he has been as good as you could possibly imagine. And he's easily the best stop of his career. I mean, it's not even, to me, it's not even a contest. Well, he's near career high. He's tying his second most rebounds per game. It's career high in scoring. I believe he's career high in assists. No, no, like I'm not talking stats here. No, no, like, I'm, I'm like I'm talking stats his, and his impact, like across the board. It's been bo- that's the thing is yeah. the impact is matching the the box scores. It's matching the analytics. Uh, he's having his second best shooting season of his career. He's having his best three point shooting season of his career by miles. Like if you want to talk about things we're going to see regression in, that's going to go down. He's shooting 46 percent from three on volume. Yeah, like that's. But he got nominated for Western Conference Player of the Week, which yes, fitting. He He's been tremendous. Uh, Steph Curry, really good. <laughs> they didn't win on. The, I don't think they won during this week, but he was in. He was insane. So he gets Western Conference Player of the Week. Um, Dame addressed the idea of Jeremy being an All Star this year, and he basically said, "There's so many good players in the West. It's very tough." Da, 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 da. And he's right. But I'm telling you right now, if the Blazers are a one or a two seed come the All Star break, which mm-hmm. is a supreme ask. But if they're right there, the Blazers will have two All-Stars. Oh, Whether I mean... Whether it's Dame it, and Ant or it's Dame and Jeremy. It'll be one of those two. Dame Dame was asked about that today and and him talking about how hard it is. And, you know, he kind of did the traditional CJ thing that we did for so long here of... He's like, you know, it it's hard to be an All-Star, man. It, it really is. But... 
he's clearly playing at an all-star level, right? We mm-hmm. did that with CJ for a long time. And I, it wasn't that I disagreed with it. It was more just like, I was kind of tired of hearing like, Hey, he's like an all-star versus like, Hey, he's an all-star. <laughs> he's and, an all-star. Who's just like, there's just too many guys in his way where, and I, CJ, think that I don't think he, with, I, I don't yeah. think CJ was ever an all-star. It was like, yeah, he's kind of, kind of. An well, all-star. I think the thing with CJ was that like, if you took two players out of the West, he's maybe cracking an all-star or close to it at some point. Whereas yeah. like Jeremy, I'd have to go through it, but I'm telling Danny, if they're like, if they can maintain the like top four, I'd say top numbers, three, but if, if he's averaging sure. 19, five and two with good shooting splits and On very 40% clearly or higher from three, like yeah. there's no way you don't while taking the number that. one defensive assignment. Like, yeah, that, those he's are the highest. He has the highest plus minus uh, of on-off stats of anybody on the team. They're plus eleven point two with him. It's like pretty significant. It's bonkers how good he's been yeah. for them. And I know Dame wanted him. I know you and I like. It's it's us and a, a, a hundreds and if not thousands of other people wanted a Jeremy Grant. Yes, I don't know if we could have envisioned it being this quite like this. He's been this every, he's everything that I hoped he would be and then some. Yes. Yeah. Because the stuff that has been there that I didn't expect, the three-point shooting, both the volume and the percentage, and the percentage will come down, and his not only willingness but ability to get to the rim. Mm-hmm. Like the shot creation stuff, I watched a ton of him in Detroit, and a lot of it was mid-range. Like just stuff that's not analytics-friendly, but like you, you live with it because it's, he's okay. Yeah. But he's got more wiggle in his handle. I mean, Zion's going to be put on a highlight reel for the rest of the season getting the the Fred Flintstone breaks thrown on him before Jeremy blew past him and dunked on their whole team. He's been there huge in big moments as game winners or close to game winners or uh, massive swing plays. He has been the guy. Dame has not had a running mate like this since LaMarcus. Like we, we talked like, listen, they have not had anybody at the four. Yep. Since LaMarcus, they haven't had a guy like Jeremy since LaMarcus. He alleviates <clears throat> he alleviates pressure more and in different ways than CJ ever did. And that's not downplaying CJ. It's just that CJ was was Dame light. Jeremy presents different problems for a defense. You can solve yeah. for CJ in very much the same ways that you try to solve for Dame. You cannot. You can't solve for Jeremy the same ways you do with Damian Lillard. Yeah, and I think that's that's really. Really interesting um, how they go about that. Um, it's but- it, it's it's fun, Danny, for him to have a player like that. Like, it's so funny to have a four, I mean, really five, like L.A. when he did. And now with all this season experience, he's got an, a hyper uber athletic four. It's I mean, you're talking about the same position, but you're talking about such different play. <laughs> this has to be fun for Dame to have guys like this, right? Like LA is fun, and that's a nice hello to the NBA. But man, you get a Jeremy Grant at the four, the way he moves, the what things mm-hmm. he can do and create, like that just opens up so many more things for them. And and I think it opens a lot more up for Dame too. Like this, he's got to really be enjoying this. It's a different it's a different set of problems for an opponent to solve, but it's also a different opportunity for the Blazers to work with. Absolutely. That's that's the cool part about it. Um one of the questions that I got in various forms is what's going on with Yusuf Nurkic. Just to kind of like address it, I don't know. Abductor, groin, like that's that's all I know. I don't know how serious it is. I've I've haven't been with them on the road. Like I can make calls and I can send texts and stuff like that, but it's kind of hard to figure that stuff out. Hopefully, I'll have more information tomorrow. That's the 
gist of it. The good news is the Blazers have been able to win without him, and I'm going to use this as the pivot. The problem is, let me pull up my other tab, the Blazers, while winning, are doing so while allowing some things statistically, analytically, shot profile stuff that typically doesn't look or bode well for them. Specifically, they're allowing a lot of rim attempts. They're allowing a high percentage at the rim, and they're allowing a lot of corner threes in a relatively league average percentage. Um, that's not not great. <laughs> that's, yeah. I think that's the best way to put that. Um, when you look at, let me pull up my shooting here from, uh, cleaning the glass. So I have the exact numbers. I closed my tab in preparation. God dang it. Uh, there we go. So if you look at what teams are doing, you look at opponent shooting frequency. As of right now, the trailblazers are allowing the fourth most rim attempts in the league. Mm -hmm. 37.2%. The interesting thing about this is when you look at what they're doing with um, Drew Eubanks on the floor, it becomes pretty apparent. And this is I, I, and this is not me slandering Eubanks. This is just kind of the reality of it. Nah, you don't need to preface it, man. We get it. This was my hesitation with Drew. Sure. Because he's been effective in the box scores, and he hustles, and he plays hard, and he does all the little things like you want to root for. But, Brandon, he's still not big enough. Yeah. Like he's just, you're undersized. I mean, you just you ha you knew that going in though. You knew you were going to be undersized coming into the year. Drew's done a marvelous job, I think, earning the minutes he's had. Mm -hmm. But you look at some of these numbers, and I'm sure they're going to help them regress a little bit defensively. I think that would be natural. But you you understand that he's going to have some limitations, right? I, I okay, the team to, would be willing to admit this as well. Yes. So you're seeing where it is. To put it in perspective, when Drew's on the floor. Teams are getting 38.5% of their total shots with Eubanks yeah. at the rim. Yeah. Nearly 40% of an opponent's shots with Eubanks on the floor are coming at the rim. Yeah. Teams have their highest effective field goal percentage when he's in there, plus minus wise. Now, he's holding teams, or effectively, to basically league average, 66% at the rim, which... Again, not bad, but the volume is so high. The deterrent is not there. Mm -hmm. The flip side of this is, also with him on the floor, teams are shooting 40% from three and 44% above the break. So threes up above, shots at the rim, down the middle. Those are the... like the places that Drew's going to be like when he's in the zone and they drop and he's dropped down at the rim in a two, three. And all of a sudden the zone gets put into rotation and he has to close back out up above. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm not putting this all on Drew, but those are the kind of situations where you see him in. Yeah. The other thing about this is you go to their shooting frequency teams <laughs> are getting 12.7% of their shots from the corner. That puts them in the sixth percentile. Remember, bigger numbers are good. So looking at this, 50% of an offense with Drew Eubanks on the floor, 50% of their shots at, shot, shot attempts are coming from the rim in the corner. 
Yikes. Now, the Blazers have been able to outlive this or out-sustain this by, number one, being effective and, and decent as a three-point shooting team, mm-hmm. forcing teams over, or for, for, forcing turnovers, getting more shot opportunities, i.e. offensive rebounds and or steals, than the opponent, and some dumb luck. The Mavs had, I want to say it was 12 wide-open threes that they missed against the Blazers. Yeah. Where, again, they made up for it late in the game hitting four straight to close it out, but the game might have been as close had they been able to hit threes earlier on. And this is the the question now, Brandon. Are the Blazers, is this pattern troubling? Or is this because Eubanks is there and there's no Nurkic? Is this them being too small? Or is this some noisy data? Where do you fall on all of this? Well, you know, I kind of hold a lot of my offense and defensive opinions to the same thing. Um, I, I need more of a sample size personally. Like I, it's an 82 game season, man. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, I'm going to need more data collected. What I would say though, is there, there are absolutely some troubling things. Um, to me though, it's not necessarily indicative that this defense is going to draw far back. Right. Like mm-hmm. I saw that Damon told Hyken, you know, he thinks they can sustain this. I mean, realistically, they probably can't. There's, there's, there's going to be some regression in there, right? There will be regression. But here, here's perspective for you, though. One, at some point, you will get GP. Mm-hmm. Now, that's just a fact. He's coming at some point. Now, is it later than we think? Probably. Two, Nurkic is going to rest until he can go, and then they'll bring him back, and that will help them some, you know, alleviate some of that problem that they have down low at the rim. And then three, this is not any new information for them. They knew coming in, yo, probably going to have to run it with Trendon or Drew. Both of that. We saw Sar getting burned. Sure. In preseason. We had, to sign, we had to sign a G League dude, the two-way guy that nobody knew before the season started because we knew They're how like, little our depth was. Need a seven-footer somewhere, guys. But, but the perspective for me, though, Danny, is even though those numbers point out some troubling things and maybe some stuff going against them, I still think their offense – I think their offense can get better and I think they can actually gain ground offensively while losing some track defensively. So maybe it really doesn't affect them as much in a win loss perspective. And the other thing was this was a bottom five defensive team. This was a team that's been in the bottom 10, like three of the last four years Mm -hmm. where they regress to is going to still be a significant jump from where they were a year ago. So yes, optimistic viewpoint. Sure. But also a bit of reality and perspective of, it's early, and even if things do get a little worse, it still can't get that much worse. Not with this roster. There's too many dogs that fight on this team. Yeah, and if you, for those gains, again, this this is the, the I'm glad you went here because this is where I was going to go. I said I, I changed my idea of where this team was going to be from 42 wins to 45 wins. Three wins may not sound like a much, but that's that's going to be a lot in how the West. Excuse me, how the West shakes out. Mm-hmm. For Portland. They're bu- they're one of the best rim frequency teams in the league. They're in the 35th percentile in rim finishing. Remember I said, you know, around league average is 67%. They're finishing 63% of their shots at the rim. So if you're looking for some improvements, finishing around the rim. Like do they get better at that? Do they fail? Does this is this kind of normalize? They're shooting th- under 37% from the mid-range as a team. Like does Jeremy cool down from 3 and maybe pick up a little bit from the mid-range? Does Ant kind of find his pull-up jumper? Like, those are the things that you can kind of look at. Um, They're shooting 40% as a team from three, 39.6. 
maybe they cool off there. I think you're just going to see, we had Corey Jez on. He talked about pulling levers. Yeah. I think that's what you're going to see. You're going to see some normalization in the defense. Maybe the offense picks up a little bit. Maybe they get better in transition. Maybe they get more transition opportunities. I noticed towards the back end of that six-game trip, there's a lot less running. Some, some tired legs were kicking in. They've been, they've been shorthanded. Uh, obviously, all the injuries, the back game, it was six games in nine days, yeah. all the travel. Like They were playing in the half court quite a bit. That that is, you know, I'm I'm God. It's funny. You, you kind of teed up something I I was thinking about the last couple of days. So I know we're talking about the regression of defense because some numbers might be indicating something's coming, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe even regression from three point land because percentages are a little unusually high. Mm-hmm. I've been wondering how much regression we have with tempo because if you're just looking at a sheer roster as is construction, mm-hmm. Josh Justice. Uh, Jeremy, Ant, you know, because Dame will run, but Dame's like, you it's know. It's basically the new guys plus Anthony. Yes. There's not like 15 of them. And so it's a long season, and these guys are playing high minutes. Like, I just wondered what the regression would be from even a tempo standpoint. Not that they're going to full stop taking the ball off the rim and pushing, but more so you just – maybe you get more of a Dallas game – more often than you than you were early on. That's the thing about a long season that's tough to gauge with numbers is so much can change from roster building to injuries to high level minutes. Like you just don't know where it's going to go, and so that's kind of why why generally people don't like it. But I, I really like to wait around till Christmas and dive into the numbers and see who this team really is. Um, but that's not going to damper the fact that they've got off to such a great start, and it feels like something that's more real, even if some of these things do change. It does. Um, I'm of the belief that the defense is okay. And okay is so much better than it has been that if there is some aggression, like you said, I'm not too worried about it. Why? Because this isn't a finished product. This wasn't supposed to be done. I mean, Nurk is a significant upgrade over Drew Eubanks defensively. Yeah, he's seven foot, 300 pounds. He's, he's a massive human being. He's harder to shoot over. Drew's like six, eight and a half. And don't get me wrong, he's a red ass who plays hard, who's tough as nails. Like, Drew being your third big man is mwah. No complaints. 10 out of 10. Totally good. Because you can throw him out there to piss off somebody in 0.2 seconds. He's going to hustle for you. He's going to hit the floor. He's going to irritate somebody. He's just, he's a guy you have back there who's, you, you, you kind of keep him on a leash until you need to let him go. Yeah. The Blazers have missed that guy. Asking him to eat up 25 minutes a game is not going to go well in the long run. And that's okay, because that's not who right. he's supposed to be. But Nurk isn't their savior for everything else either, because he can only play limited coverages. But if you're looking at baby steps and how you go about it, Nurk is the upgrade. Getting him back out there and making it more difficult for guys to get to the rim is a part of this. And I've seen a lot of people talk about the Blazers' use of zone. And I wanted to pull these up because we talked about this the other day and people were kind of blown away by like where, where the Blazers sit. Again, right now, zone accounts for almost 15% of their total defensive possessions. And that's a lot. <laughs> uh, for for uh, a reference point, the Blazers' offense is facing zone 4% of the time. And the vast majority of that, I would guess, came against Miami in both their games. Uh, I think you're muted right now, just so you know, because I can see you laughing and not hear. Oh, sorry. There we go. Sorry about that. But Miami basically zoned them up for seven quarters. 
Yeah. And I would I haven't seen like opponents have thrown some stuff in there. Dallas threw some zone in there the other day that wasn't very good, but that's that's kind of what I expect. The Blazers they're leaning on that zone one as a simpler method of getting things done. Like and I and I wonder how far they get into the season and opponents start preparing for it if the effectiveness of that zone wanes at all or if the Blazers get better in their communication and they're able to get a little bit better. Like, which which hand washes the other when you're talking about the right. regression versus progression? And I think getting Nurk Buck on the floor helps you with your rim stuff. But also, as part of the zone goes, if you're not true to your principles, you can give up corner threes. And like you said, Dame talked about uh, those opportunities that they've given up, and he said, listen, sometimes you get out and you can test. Guys still shoot shots. They still make shots. He goes, but I'll tell you this, we are, what was positive, at least for me, is that he goes, when I see the tape, the tape reinforces what we're doing, like when when we do it good. And I think that if that is the case, and he's saying that publicly, then they're probably getting mostly positive feedback from the coaching staff, that they believe that, hey, they're they're mostly doing things right. Mm -hmm. And I I think you'd agree, they're mostly doing things right, right? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, a hundred percent. I mean, there's no, I love that though. Which one is it going to, what's it going to be in terms of, <laughs> um, I, I think a hundred percent they're doing things the right way. It's just going to be a continual process for them. Is it not? I mean, it's going to be mm-hmm. right up your alley of like, in which direction do they take this in the next 15 to 20 games? Who's going to be out there doing it for them and how different is it going to look? I did want to ask you though, on, on what you're kind of hitting, hitting at with some of these regression things. So on cleaning the glass, they 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 take your efficiencies and they project out expected win total mm-hmm. through 82. This is why I tell people, like, when we got asked, I think we were on a live watch party uh, a few games ago. Somebody had asked in the chat, you know, are you guys ready to reevaluate? Because they, they had won the game. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the game, but they had just won the game. And we did the post game and you said, I'm ready. And now I know you you only go up a couple games, but that I mean that's a big deal. Adjusting a couple games, it's a, it's especially a, in the West, it's a big swing. It's a, it's a big swing, and it's not to say you won't be right. I just more wanted to ask you before we get some of these other questions. They're expected with their efficiencies right now is forty three point two. It's why I didn't make my smack smack in the middle of my change. It's it's yeah. It's it's why I didn't want to really like pivot off where I kind of thought because yes, this is a great start, and it's not that they can't win more than that. It's just kind of to simply show their numbers right now, while this is such a good start, their numbers are showing that they're really this. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that needs to be a bummer thing. I just thought that was interesting seeing like, hey, number one team in the West. Well, efficiency-wise, about 43 wins. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. The thing about that is I'd have to look at it to see how much schedule factors into it, how much health see, factors I, I into had it, it. I had it up here. I, I don't I, – it's not one of the pages that I go to a ton. Um, gotcha. But they have played one of the tougher schedules and they have had some of the worst injury luck to start the season. And I so think expected wins. Oh yeah. So there's no details in the, when you hover it over, it, I, I still would imagine that it's based off of box score. It's it's with this efficiency differential to win. Okay. Basically. So yeah. So the, the efficiency stuff is, is being extrapolated from the, the box score stuff, which totally yeah. fine. Cause understanding what he's trying to do there. Um, but but schedule wise, you're right. Like it's not taking in certain things to account. And the one thing you've highlighted, you highlighted it in the summer, 
how many teams are more so going to be tanking? There it is. Come a certain part of their schedule, and now schedule some goes from like, oh, it's going to be interesting to super easy. Yeah, like as good as the Jazz are right now, I again, I firmly believe as good as the Jazz are right now, that they will pull the plug. Everybody I have talked Ainge to just talked league. about this, and he got effing pissed about this. Well, of course he did, because publicly you have to. Because yeah, <laughs> of course he is. Why? Why would you say you're going to? Well, I know it's just funny, like how emphatic he was of like people suggesting that I want to lose. Games. They weren't. Come on, they weren't. I'm trade trade Donovan Mitchell. I wouldn't. No, Donovan is a lifetime Jazz. Everyone in the league knew Donovan Mitchell was being traded. And again, Bro, they got they got Colin Sexton though, Danny. They really wanted to win. Again, I think Sexton is like a lesser version of Donovan Mitchell, a good player who on a, sure. a reasonable contract. All but that look kind of at stuff. Cleveland right now. Jesus, man, that's talking about a scary team. Listen, man, it's a machine. Like I know oh. they 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 struggled the last couple games, but I firmly Garland comes back and he's like, "Let me get fifty. Let me get a fifty. You already piece. got it, Donovan. Yeah. yeah. Um, but looking at the Jazz, I think they're a team that come trade deadline they unplug. If you're not sure, like, oh, you have to tank so hard for Victor Wembanyama. No, you don't. The Blazers were three games out of being a top four or top four selection. Mm-hmm. Three games. Three. So everybody, you know, oh my God, that four-game winning streak for the All-Star break. Da, da, da. It's not hard to tank in the NBA. Not hard to tank. Pull yeah. that plug, throw some injuries on the injury report, and watch it go. Whee! It's not hard. I'm telling you. The Jazz will be a team that falls off a cliff. I think OKC is a team that falls off a cliff. Uh, the Rockets are already falling off a cliff, or have fell, fallen off a cliff. Spurs, the Spurs fall, are there. Yeah, they've fallen. The Lakers might be that team. Oh, the Lakers might get the number one pick in the draft, and the Pelicans are going to get Victor Wimbanyama with with they're, Zion and they're, they're going to freeze that envelope. There's no way it's going to the. It's there's just no way it's going to the Pelicans. I mean, I'll tell you right now, this this is honestly the travesty of that league. You should be doing that live because I, I will have real questions if the Lakers get the one pick, which conveys to the Pelicans. I I have questions. I, I want well. I if it, if if their if their odds are top. Number one pick ish. If they're in that top, what is it? Three. Top four. Top four. I, I want to watch that, and I feel like honestly, the 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 amount of time and coverage you shove this kid down my throat. Hey, he's playing in France for the national team. Hey, watch his game. If you send his ass to New Orleans. I so, no. Oh my I, god. I, 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 this is a message to the league. You cannot get mad at teams for wanting to tank for this kid, and then you televise him every damn game he plays. And then when it comes to the draft, I want to watch to legitimately see who wins those rights yeah. live. I don't want to see him come out and be like, and here's his kid representing the team. Ha, 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 ha. We have him, of course. We did it behind the scenes. I want to see it behind the scenes. I want you to film it. We deserve that. I'm I'm not, not going to lie. That'd be fun. Hell yeah, be would fun. be the Biggest prospect, and he might go to a team that could potentially play in like a Western Conference Finals. Absolutely, that would be fantastic. God, think about that. That team could three number one overall picks in what seven years? Eight? No, I mean, ten years. The Screw Lakers that. can easily rest on the laurels of like we got a chip out of this. Yeah. It just sucks in the now because your team's so goddamn bad. God. All right, let's get into the questions. James right. Two at Trophy Beats are arguing with people all the time about Simons and whether or not he's a defensive liability. Is he as much of a liability in, in, as the know-it-alls in certain Facebook groups say he is? Oh, jeez. 
everyone's a liability when you guard Luca. Everyone's a liability when you guard Luca. I'll, I'll I'll point out a couple of things. There's throughout the watch parties and stuff, Brandon. What have we talked about when it, when it comes to Anthony Simons in isolation? How much stronger he is? How much better he looks? Uh, better navigating pick and rolls. Better on closeouts. He's not mm-hmm. getting bullied around. And then Luca comes out. Luca's six seven, maybe six eight. 265, 270 pounds. And he moved Ant like he wasn't there. I've talked about this before. Pound for pound, the strongest guy in the league is Steven Adams. Mm-hmm. He, he's just a ungodly force of nature. Number, number two is probably Luca. I've talked to guys who have played against him. They say, when he runs into you, he just moves you out of the way. And it's not yeah. like he's hitting you at like John Morant speed. He's just so strong that he just, he's strong with a K. He just moves you. He has this unique ability to just he's he's got that European Baltic strength, but he's got it in a six foot seven package. He plays it, you know, seven miles an hour. He's not gonna beat you with this, you know, John Morant speed. He just gets you on his rhythm. Listen, man, he's 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 thick Baltic Brandon Roy. Yeah. He's just gonna get you on his clock and beat you to death. And looking at him and what he did to Anthony, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, well, I mean, Danny, I mean, to be fair, he's doing that, like, against the entire league right but that, now. But, that, again, that's my point of, like, and everybody's like, well, why aren't they fighting over more? Why aren't they doing this? Luca did this exact same thing to the Phoenix Suns at full strength. Yeah. He's one of the three best players in the world. Ask Channing Crowder or... Uh, um... Jay Crowder. Uh, Jay Crowder, what it's like. Go ask Mikhail Bridges. Shit, dude. They it's, both took turns. Yeah. And this is what he does. Now, if the Blazers had justice in that game, it would have been interesting to see if Chauncey would have gone that way, offense or defense. But we're just talking about Anthony right now. If you but, take, but, but we take take Luca away, though. Yeah, I was Let's just saying, not evaluate take Luca away. Luka. If I told you, and in the synergy data... You you gotta take everything with a grain of salt because this only again, excuse me, tracks results. So field goal attempt, field goal make, turnover foul, results. It was the whole idea of when we talked about when we talked to Corey Jez. I said, you know, I I figured Dame's done thirty eight hundred pick and rolls. He's like, it's twenty eight thousand. Like synergy measures it thirty eight hundred. Second spectrum measures it measures it twenty eight thousands events versus occurrences right 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 so with ant this year he has been involved in 122 possessions where an event has been triggered he is allowing 0.852 points per possession do you know where that puts him in the league in the league in the league middle right snap in the middle 76th percentile. Really? Yes. Under the very good category. Okay. Okay. Uh, In man defense, it's .806. In zone defense, it's 1.042. Straight up, he's doing better. Zone, not as much. I would base uh, some of the comments we got from the Jez podcast and I'm just going to say, I love when you tell us numbers like that because I, I remember the people that reached out and they're like, yo, I had no idea what you guys were talking about. 
But again, like this, this stuff helps contextualize what we see. It helps right? convey the message. Yes. Yeah. And for all of the people that were talking about, it's the worst defender in the league. It's this, that he's been fine. Yeah. Not great. Not fantastic. Fine. And it was like, well, they're hunting Anthony Simons. I talked to Ant before they went on the road trip. And I mentioned this story before they went out. I, I go, what's, you know, what's been like the adjustment and the process for you defensively? Like, how do you feel like you're doing? He's like, I could, I'm doing good. I didn't do other stuff I need to work on, certainly. But I feel like, like, you know, he go, he mentioned, listen, I, I see people say, you know, I was like one of the worst like rated defenders. He's like, I can't remember what metric it was. He's like, I was like bottom three or whatever it was. He goes, mm-hmm. nobody's hunting me. Like, not, not in a, in a regular game. Like, they aren't slapping Ant's name on the board and going, hunt this guy. Now, Luka Doncic, who's maybe the best mismatch ISO hunter in the world. No, not maybe. Who is the best matchup hunter in the world in closing time? He's going to hunt Anthony Simons. And this is what Dame said about, or, or Ant said about this stuff. He goes, look at it. Are they going to hunt Josh? No, nah, he works. Like, he's just too big. He's a dog. Get that Villanova in him. Are they going to hunt Jeremy? No, he's a great defender. Are they going to hunt Nurk? No, it's difficult to do that. You can't big him up, but he's still big. Like, do you, is that who you really want to hunt? Like, his strength might be able to over, overpower you and your strengths. You want to hunt Dame? No, he's a vet and he's strong. So who are they going to go after? It's me. Like, it's interesting because if you talk about the isolation, a lot of times we talk about your ability to stop somebody in a pick and roll or in isolation and your ability to navigate stuff. What's Ant's weakness? It's his strength. And he's gotten stronger, but when you're talking about taking on a guy like Luca, Ant's 200 pounds. Luca's 270. Well, I, I think any concerns that you would have about him as a defender, even though some of the numbers are now suggesting that like he's been better than average, is uh, even in the moments he struggles, I just feel like the back end of their defense is so such an upgrade with all these guys that it doesn't feel like it's as big of a problem. Now, that's not. I'm not trying to make an excuse here, and I know it kind of may sound that way to some, but the fact is when you Dame CJ, some of the back-end defensive help wasn't what Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant and, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, Justice Winslow. Well, especially when they go help. small and how, how how much they fly around. Trendon, like you got all these dudes that are athletic. Nas, you know, yeah. Largely in the four, five, yeah, Nas, four, five-inch range of each other and can all like effing, play multiple positions. So I, I just think that part of it, even though he doesn't need as much, I think that part helps this group and this version of the Dame era more so than what he had with CJ. He just didn't have that back-end defense the way they do with this group. For sure. And I think uh, Ant, uh, specifically, is better than he has been. That's not saying he's perfect. That's not, like, there's a lot they need to work on still. Um, looking at, like again, the, the synergy data from the team in general, What's weird is talking about some of the stuff that Seth Partnow and Kevin Pelton brought up, uh, the, mm-hmm. the effective or, or ineffectiveness in preventing rim shots and three-point shots. On the spot up, the Blazers are in the 70th percentile defensively. You, could, you can argue whether that's shooting luck in your favor or good closeouts or just variance that pops up in there. Where they're getting killed and continue to get killed is they're very bad in transition. That's something I think you can clean up. Like you don't, You're not worrying about luck so much. And a lot of that has to do with taking care of the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's a, a question we got a, lo- a, a lot of, uh, some version of, and again, thank you everybody who sent this question in, are the Blazers getting better in that turnover department? And yes, to an extent. 
it certainly feels like they're getting better. Obviously, they've had a couple games where they took really good care of the ball. They've had a couple games on this road trip that are a little bit sideways. Right. The big ones are the air-mailed passes, like the unforced errors. If They just got to cut those down. If they're making mistakes at full speed, trying to make something happen, that, that's, that comes with the game. And Chauncey has said over and over and over again he's not going to be art, be bad about that, particularly in the first, I think, 25 games. I think once we reach Christmas, you think that excuse disappears? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think he's going to be irritated so. by then, right? Well, I mean, I just to answer, I mean, it's already been better the last few games for them, right? They yeah. had 12 against Dallas. You had nine against New Orleans. Nine is a bit low. but That's a great number. <laughs> I mean, that's a phenomenal number if you get away with nine. But, I, I, yeah, I, I think it's something that they're really – this team is striking me, and I think Chauncey's hit on this too a little bit. This team just strikes me as they're they're willing to identify what their flaws are, and obviously you're going to have to work to correct them, but I think turnovers is a big part of this. And so, yeah, to their credit, we all made it a big concern, and we talked about how bad the numbers were. Not a great game in Charlotte with it, but like the last two games, at least encouraging in that department. Um, I got another question here about Ant, and I don't want to spend like a whole time, a time on Ant. This is from Mamadou Diallo. Uh, why is Simon scared to go to the rim? Because that's what it feels like right now. And I've had some people ask me, like, why doesn't Ant drive? Why doesn't Ant drive? I'll, I'll just tell you what Ant told me. Ant has told me multiple times over the last two years, working on developing as his handle as a point guard, working on developing as a creator, working on developing, like, his different scoring regimen. He, this was really interesting. He said, I never had to go to the rim because I could always get my shot whenever I wanted to. Because you have to work to go to the rim. But what I think you've seen over the last four or five games is when things haven't gone well for Ant, he's put his head down and gone to the rim and generated free throws. Which was the question about CJ, would he ever do that? And I think you've seen that from Anthony over the last two weeks of like, okay, I don't have it going. Because he's been poor in first halves. But he's also been tremendous in the second halves. Mm-hmm. Second half of games, he's been one. Well, Jeremy's been insane the last couple of games, so it may have switched. But I don't think it's necessarily scared. I think this is him learning. Well, he 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 kind of reminds me of Dame a little bit in in the sense of he kind of allows the game to get flowing and going, and he just kind of feels out where he fits in on that game. Now, you'd like that to maybe speed up a little bit come in the first half. Sure. Not so much rely just on second half numbers. But to your point on like going in and what's easier and what's harder, I mean, I'm not I, I, LeBron. Anybody seen LeBron's numbers? Like, dude doesn't want to attack at all. No, he's like, settling. He's he's he has mailed it in. He's like, I'm and, well, I'm not gonna put my body on. on yeah, because you know why, Danny? You're talking about one of the more successful to the rim guys in NBA history, if not probably the most, number one. Yeah, you know what I mean. And that dude, even that dude's like, ah, I don't really want to do that anymore. I, that it takes a toll on your body, so. You know, I'm sure Ant will find his spots more often, but I, I'm I'm not really sitting there worried that he's not attacking enough. I think he's kind of still. Do you finding think he's getting better there? Like, like, you, like just visibly without looking at numbers, like does it feel like he's getting there a little more frequently I, or a little bit I, better? Yeah, I think the tough thing is like you're comparing it to a couple different eras of Ant, right? The, the one era of Ant is catch and shoot. Literally, do not put the ball on the floor. Go anywhere. It's like, hey, Melo's finally passed. Here I go. And the other era is like what thirty games, thirty five games without Dame. I think it's twenty twenty. I think is what it was. It, it was 30. yeah. It was it was a it was Jared, December twenty seventh until February eighteenth. I think is what it was. And they had to shut him down because he was going to blow their tank job. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, 
I think it's hard to compare the two. I, I think they have been. I mean, personally, I, I, I think you just go off feel. I think he's putting the ball on the floor more. I think he's asserted himself as a playmaker. And, oh, by the way, like a guy who can get somebody a look and maybe go get a, his own bucket once in a while. I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I would say it's gotten better from where it was, especially when you're comparing it to where it was for like three years. Yeah, that's, I think, when you're comparing it to the original, you know, Ant 1.0, Ant 3.0 is looking a lot better. Yeah. Keeping on the uh, the rails of the backcourt, this is a question, again, we, we, we got a lot of the same questions. I, I think everybody's kind of on a lot of the same wavelengths with things. Sure. How do you feel the Dame Ant, backcourt pairing has is growing as the season progresses are you seeing gains does it still look disjointed where are those opportunities like what are you looking at you're like yeah no i like that or "Ah, it still needs some work or i need more time with this i need more time with it but i still think it looks a little a little off Mm -hmm. and i that doesn't it doesn't have to mean the worst thing but I, we knew that this was going to take time for them to grow for them to learn Ant's going to learn the tendencies of dame and Dame, to a certain extent, is going to learn how this is all kind of working with Ant and the, the rest of the group. I think the other part that's been tough for them is um, Jeremy's been so effective and so good that there's just possessions he's just straight taken away because and he's being aggressive and he's getting his own shot. And so I think it's before you had Dame and CJ together and then you had role guys, right? And and and, and some years were good. You had some decent role guys. But it was largely what when those two were on the floor. It was just them. Everybody else was dependent on getting the shots from them. Whereas on this team, Josh can go get his own look if he needs to, right? Nas can pull up. Jeremy can get his own shot. Like, you just have more You have more players with the ability to put the ball on the floor confidently. And I think that's changed the dynamic from the Dame-CJ era to what this Aunt Dame thing is going to mm-hmm. be. And I think it's why it's going to take a little more time. It's not been perfect. Uh, I think it needs to get better, but I they need to get they need to have more time. We can't be 13 games in saying like, oh, did we make a mistake here? Like, come on, guys, it's 82 game season. Yeah, I, I think I'm mostly in the same spot. Uh, I was able to pull up the the drive data on Anthony Simons. Yeah, over or under nine total drives per game. For reference, Dame is at 14. Because you gave me that number, I'm going to say over. Yep. Over. 10? Just under 10. Yeah. That's a that's a significant difference. Where where does I hate to ask you this. No, go. I I pull it. Where where would da- where does Dame rank? League-wide, he's like 24th. 24th. Okay. Last time I looked cuz Dame's drive rate actually isn't like super super high. So, sure. um Shay, Gilgis Alexander. Shay is dumb high. He actually, after tonight, he's got 37 points. He might be number one in the league. Yep, there you go. Shea, 24 a game. Shea's number one, John number two, Luka number three. Yeah, Those are your three top drivers in the NBA. Uh, actually, Dame's a little bit higher now. There's been some noises filtered out. Let's, let's actually get an actual count. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. So Dame's uh, 15th now. So a lot of the noise is filtered out. So Ant is closer to like 30th, mm-hmm. which for a secondary ball handler, 
not bad. Like just on average, that's like that's yeah, not how many, bad. Of the thirty, itself. how many are primary ball handlers, right, or go-to scores for their teams? All You're right, all of them. Yeah. So. Like the only like non guys that are like that are, are like when you stick somebody in like a. Uh, I just saw a name in here. Where did it go? Oh, Lou Dort, which is like he put, just puts his heads down and goes. And okay, so he's like, yeah, learn how to drive. Honestly, this is like the same thing Portland's doing with Ant. Like, go ahead, dude, yeah. learn how to drive. But otherwise, oh, Dennis Smith Jr. Like his drive total is really high, but he's DSJ. Well, he's still I mean, up there. Well, he can't shoot. Yeah, so like true. he just has to. I mean, he has I'm just sl- surprised his drive. Well, listen, I guess his drive rate just, would always be. Yeah, there. no, he's just got to sling that wood somehow, man. <laughs> you know, that's out there. Um, but yeah, that just kind of gives you an, a, a little bit of information as far as like where Ant sits and like. I don't know if it's a confirmation or confirmation bias or, or whatever. It's it's something that's there. Um, mm-hmm. I just saw somebody ask, what's CJ? CJ's at 12. One guy's been running an offense or running as a primary off-ball guy for 10 years. The other guy's been doing it for six months. Yeah. And for anybody who wonders why, beyond the fact that I, I've followed Ant through his whole career, why I'm bullish – he seemingly is able to learn and develop a skill set when nobody thinks he can. Mm-hmm. Like nobody thought he could improve his handle. He's improved it dramatically. Nobody thought he'd be able to improve as a passer. He went from not being able to pass to being able to whip like one-handed cross-court passes on the move. Like that's that's stuff that, that happens. He went from quote unquote one of the worst defenders in the league. Well, he looks significantly better when he's not sharing the court with Ennis Cantor and, and Carmelo Anthony. Like yeah. there's still improvements that can be made, but like this is why I firmly believe in how effective he'll be in the long run but that's enough we've spent like 10 minutes on it um well what's wrong with talking about that the team's nine and four it's, it's fun to talk about fun stuff second highest paid guy like that's he's kind of the future with them right you're so. not wrong uh, but i want to make sure we get more questions in here because we're running yep. up against it already yeah and again yep. uh thank you all for being here we appreciate you like review subscribe help us grow the show uh if you're watching live please click subscribe help us grow the show uh we are on our way to five thousand. i will you know what screw it i have got an autographed basketball uh, from oh, one hello. of the teams. I've got four of them over here. Oh, um, if we hit 5,000 before the end of the year, 5,000 subs before the end of the year, I will give one of them away. And I will take a random draw from every single person and I will give one of these balls away. Can you uh, tell us what teams they are? or what teams? I've got one from the 06-07. I've got one from the 10-12. And I've Ooh. got one from the 14-15. Let me see which one this one is. Uh, Ooh. Let's see. This one. That's a Jake Lehman. That's a Damian Lillard. That's a Myers Leonard. Boy, you started just off CJ with McCollum. just a great name. You, we got a Jake Lane. I just recognize the signatures. There's a Pat Connaughton. So this is probably like. That's probably what? 15, 16, 16, 17. Yeah. Somewhere in that Clipper. They beat the Clippers or yeah. lost the Warriors in round one. So, yeah, I'll uh, I'll give away one go. of these if we hit 5,000. I love it. So, like I said, I've got four different autograph balls over here. <laughs> uh, they're, they're all getting weighed. They're, I can't put them all on the. Uh, all in the uh, studio, so I'll give one of them away before we move in there. Uh, but then again, that's if we get there. Uh... Yeah, somebody said, wait, is there a Roy on there? Yeah, there's an 0607. There's a Roy and a LaMarcus. Oh, hello. 
So we'll uh, we'll figure it out. But like I said, I always oh want to make God. sure we give cool stuff away when, when we when we grow the show. So again, like, review, subscribe, share us with your friends. You got Thanksgiving coming up. Instead of talking politics, talk Blazers, and make sure you mention Jack Ramsey's. All right, back to our show. <laughs> uh, Andrew John at AJ underscore VD. What key information has Chauncey learned about his rotations over the last six games? I think that's a really good question. Are there any combinations that work better than expected? Are there any combinations that we need to avoid using again? Huh. Can you repeat the beginning of that? My headphones just cut out. Yeah, what key information has Chauncey learned about his rotations over the last six games? I think those are obviously inferences oh, that you, we make. Um, yeah. What have you? Le- what do you think Chauncey has learned? Re uh, rotations so far through the season, and really over this road trip. Well, I think he's learned his leaders. Uh, not that that really answers anything about rotation. I think he's been able to trust certain guys on this trip, looked at them and said, okay, I don't, I'm not playing Dame tonight or we're going to be shorthanded. Like, what can we get out of it? I think the tough thing is he's trust. He's clearly he's trusted Drew. Drew is, and we talked about Drew a little bit earlier on the pod, but I think it's important to highlight like what he's learned. He's learned that he can trust Drew, right? He's learned that he can trust a small ball lineup, which I think he did kind of coming into the year, but I think he wanted to see how that worked. And the numbers kind of suggest that Mm -hmm. it's worked fairly well for them. Um, Specific defensive things or rotational things. It's tough because I think he's played so many different lineups that obviously you've got more lineups that are popular than others, but I don't I don't know if those were things he he hadn't already known going into the year. He's learned that he can trust Shaden with a bunch of guys. I think I think that's an important thing. Like yeah. your rookie of the year guy potentially comes in and gets minutes right away when nobody expected it. And man, you he Shaden, I looked at it earlier on the lineups and you know, you look through it and it's Shaden. What's Shaden, interesting, crazy Shaden, about the, the Shaden lineup Shaden. stuff? Shaden, like Shaden's in like significant lineups that have played more than, you know, like 10 possessions. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's in like six of them. So, I mean, that just shows how much trust he's got in even a rookie. And I, I think that's an important thing because you can trust the vets. You know, what you're going to get from Josh Hart and Jeremy Grant and Dame, but to be able to throw Shaden in that, for example, I think kind of shows, it shows the trust of the rookie and then also just kind of the guidance of an experienced team. So you got me really excited right there because this is something I wanted to talk about. Do you think the Blazers are better offensively or defensively oh. with Shaden on the floor? Like, I know you know the answer, but like, yeah. What what does it feel like? Oh, it feels like it's defense, and it is because he's they're he, significantly better defensively than they are offensively with him on the well, floor, which makes zero sense. We noted this like the second game, so like we were still like in shock that he was playing. Yeah, but like we we noted second game, Danny, this like. This this kid's kind of got some things defensively that he's scratching the surface, obviously, and he'll learn of some of the like drawdown cutbacks, not losing his man, help off, you know, sagging. And off, when stuff he does like make a mistake, he's got the athleticism to get back into a play. Absolutely, like his man gets he gets back cut, mm-hmm. he loses track of his man. Well, guess who can come up and pin that shit on the side of the glass? Which he's done a couple times, right? So I think that's an important factor. Is He's going to be really good offensively, but he's making a positive impact for them defensively. Which is how he's going to get on the floor and stay on the floor. He had that 17-point game on the road trip, and everybody wants to talk about offense, 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 because what he does offensively is tremendous. It's much easier to talk about that. And if he ever gets his pull-up game going, because him, Ant, and Jeremy, they've been terrible on pull-ups to start the season. I firmly expect Ant to get going. 
Shaden's jumper and everything, the mechanics of it all look sound. I've noticed some inconsistencies and some weirdness in it. Like, he needs to... Nasir Little, when he came in as a rookie, his jumper was not great. Just too sure. much going on. Yeah. And when we had him, or I should say, when I had him on the pod, uh, the Blazers Edge pod, his rookie year, like coming into his second year that summer, the thing he said he worked on was, was making his jumper quiet, getting the noise out of it. I see that with Shaden on his pull-up game. His, his catch and shoot, I'm not tweaking much. Like, it looks pretty, and he gets it off with, with relative ease, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But offensively, the Blazers score 108.7 points per game with Shaden on the floor. And he's mostly playing with other dudes like Ant, Hart, Grant, Nurk. Like, that lineup, hilariously, it's the his most used lineup. It's a negative 9.7. But their defense is a 103.9, which would be the best defense Jeez. in the league. Yeah. But their offense is a 94.2. So, so we have an all-NBA... Defender scoring and defender. <laughs> that's awesome. Look at us, huh? But again, like that's one of those things where like, maybe Kobe. What's what's Chauncey learning? That his young rookie has some normal stuff there. Mm-hmm. Not, not normal, but some above average defensive tools in a rookie body. There's a that's something to be excited about. Wait, wait till they physically get him where they want to get him. How strong is he? How <laughs> I mean, yeah. dear God, man. And listen, I've seen him do some things physically that I was like, I didn't think he was that strong. Random question. Do they think he's done growing at all? Like, do they think there's a chance he grows an inch? I think they think he's going to fill out. Like, I've so seen... So what he lacks in maybe 6'7", he makes up for 6'5 and a half, 6'6", with strength. He's And he's 6'5". Yeah, he's, yeah. He, he said, admitted it. He, I, I, we're in the locker room where Nas again was bringing this up. <laughs> right before the road trip, he brought it up again. He's like, how come Josh Hart gets the round up an inch? And I, I don't. And yeah. then he goes, and Shaden walked in right then, and he goes, and then Shaden, Shaden gets it. He goes, Shaden, how tall are you? And Shaden just kind of looked at like, oh, six, four and a half barefoot. You know, just <laughs> and Nas both hands out like uh, right. The what, what's the the TikTok guy like? <laughs> just like I don't have TikTok. Oh, uh, well, okay. people know what I'm talking about. But he had he had that look on his face. Like, are you kidding me? Why can't I get the roundup? But Shaden's six five. But the thing about it is, Shaden looks like a guy that could put on like 15 pounds of muscle over his career. And oh, it, it yes. Like I could see him being pocket-sized Paul George, like that same kind of build. Wiry, I could see him being, I could see him being like exact same replica of Kobe or Kawhi. Listen, I'm not, I'll say, I'll, I'd go to Kobe before I go to Kawhi. I saw Kawhi's Leave legs in Seattle. Leave me alone. Hey, wait till he gets the thick season. Shaden's going to get thick with two Cs. Wait. Kawhi's, Kawhi's thighs look like my neck, my head right now. That dude is thick. Um... But again, think of like things of Chauncey's learned. Chauncey can trust twelve guys. Yeah, I, I've said this, and it's like it's not tongue in cheek. Chauncey has a problem on his hands when they're fully healthy. Yes, Jabari Walker. Cuts? I've asked about Jabari all around. Players, coaches, execs. How does how does Jabari get on the floor? And nobody has said it's because he doesn't get it. If mm-hmm. nobody has said is he's not good enough. There's just dudes in front of him, and there's vets in front of him. 
And there is a pecking order in the NBA unless you are so good, i.e. Shaden Sharp, or you profile so good that you can't get on the floor. Yeah. Jabari Walker makes something positive happen and is not, the moment is not too big for him every time he steps out on the floor. They have to find a way to work him in. Okay? They have to get Shaden at least 15 a night. When Gary gets healthy, they got to get Gary 16, 18 a night. They got to get Trendon 10, 12 a night. I think Drew is the only guy that they don't have to get minutes to who's currently playing. Not unless I, I, I think that's dependent on matchup, on the matchup. though. But again, yeah. like if you're looking like holistically and again, sure. I like Drew, but I think he's more your traditional big Trendon yeah. offers you the playmaking. Uh, Jabari offers you a little more athleticism, playmaking, shooting, like yeah. some more uh, newer NBA skill sets. But they've got 12 guys that have to play, that yep. deserve to play, that need to play. And I think Chauncey has learned that he can trust those things. Now, as far as any combinations they should avoid, they need to avoid those non-shooter lineups. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they had the uh, Josh Justice Eubanks front court, and it's like a negative 40. Yeah, that one is uh, that needs to go away. Defensively, it's fine-ish. Yeah, but I don't. There's only so much defense you can care about if you can't yes. literally put the ball in the bucket. Well, like you, you can go, you can peg that thing the other way to the defense, but you have to be so good defensively yeah. that it like it makes up for it, and you get out in transition. You can at least be effective offensively. But yeah, that's the one that that's the one that doesn't hit hard for me. Yeah. So, um, I did a podcast, uh, in New York before we hopped on tonight and talking about Chauncey, if he was I'm getting, a uh, Jeez. Uh, no, let's just, you, Kara, you, you, you dropped your reference here. My, your my bad. Um, <laughs> that point of view on Chauncey has not made the national profile yet. It hasn't right now. Chauncey's coach of the year. Ooh, even over Utah? Yes. Because of, when it's all said and done, Utah's going to... They're going to fall apart. Like, I just... Yeah. I firmly believe in that. And Chauncey has watch, pushed... Watch, watch Cleveland, though. Watch Cleveland, though, too. There's some good candidates out there. There, there is. But I think expectations, reality, sure. and consistency... Yeah. They've been missing guys. They've been beating top-level teams. And they've been doing it in a variety of ways. A variety of ways. They've won with defense. They've won with offense. They've won with transition. They've won with half-court offense. They have, they've done everything in 13 games. Has there been a button that Chauncey's pushed that you didn't like? No. I, you know, i got to be honest with you, man. Um, I don't want to derail what you're going to finish with, but I'll just add to this. I have zero coaching complaints. Like, zero. Yeah. Like there's not a there's not a game even a game they lost, and that's just roster versus roster sometimes in this league. And so, no, I I don't have a problem with anything Chauncey's done. No, and that's, that's kind of. Did you think that was going to be the case coming into this season? I I thought it was it could, maybe it was a possibility, but to be honest with you, not in the beginning. No. Like I I picked this team to be like three and nine to start the year, not nine and four. Working so. through stuff. I, I, I have to give him a lot of credit for that. I We talk about coaching and how it's really roster dependent. I agree with that. You and I reside in the same space there. But I do think you get the right guy that can, one, manipulate things well for your team, putting the right guys on the floor, 
to get in people's ass and have the respect instantly. It's hard for coaches to earn that. Yes. Um, and so I just think the combination of those things has led them to be nine and four. I think it, Chauncey deserves a lot of credit for that. Listen, I, I don't want to hammer the Dallas Luka game. Those four straight threes that the, that the Mavericks hit, the Blazers covered it four different ways. They covered it four different ways. It wasn't yeah. that it wasn't that they weren't trying things, they weren't changing things, they weren't trying to attack Luca differently. Luca's just him. First he broke the zone, then they broke broke the the soft hedge, then they broke the the trap, the, the double, like they just broke it like as it just went down the chain. Yeah. Like they were trying things. And I know a, a big criticism of Terry was that he was just and especially in his later years, he was unwilling to try things. Yeah. Chauncey's not well, afraid to try things. Yes. Well, I don't want to get into the Terry thing. But I was just saying that, that, that was that was. He just didn't have kind of, a Jeremy Grant and a Josh Hart. Like, again, you know, I understand why he did. Wes and Nick, and he looked a lot better when he had better defenders. I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but we don't need to go there. Like, no. let's give Chauncey his flowers and move on. And that's the thing is, <laughs> yeah, what he has done as it pertains to going to small ball, pulling Nurk off the floor in multiple closing situations. If he, the next time they get an isolation situation with a wing, I want to see if he pulls Dame Morant off the floor and puts another defender on. He didn't have that option without justice. Yep. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, we're an hour and 10 minutes, so we want to wrap this thing up here real quick. Uh, again, thank you all for so many questions. This is kind of what we're going to want to finish it on. Uh, they've got a three-game homestand against the Spurs, Nets, and Jazz. Originally, when this schedule came out, we are like, ugh, Nets. That's going to be a tough one in there. But at least they get the Spurs and the Jazz, and now it's kind of flipped on its head. Uh, the Lakers uh, beat the Nets. So... Um, they're in a weird headspace, clearly, even after they went off one five straight before that, I believe. But yeah, sp- but seven can get you. You can. And seven can get you. <laughs> what's interesting is all three of these teams come at you in very, very different ways. The Spurs are, well, they're going to be a quasi-tanking team. They're a young, plucky team. Like, Jakob Pertl's a good player. Keldon Johnson is playing yep. like an Keldon all-star. Keldon good. Like, yep. there's stuff there like, okay, how are they going to attack the Blazers? And what do they look like? And then you're going to get the ISO-heavy shit show. Yep. That is the Nets. Yes. And how that plays out, how the Blazers attack that, because Kevin Durant is a cheat code in, in a different way than Luka is. I am very interested to see. I, I'm probably going to spend like 20% of the game watching Chauncey and Roy Rogers, their calls and what they're doing and what they're yelling and what they're communicating defensively. Sure. To see what it is that they're trying to do with Kevin Durant. Because it just presents a problem that nobody else does. And then the Jazz... It's not Quinn Snyder. And by the way, Will Hardy. Hell of a coach. Jesus, what a coach. I mean, what people a- were raving about him when they hired him. Like, hey, yo, let's steal him from Boston. And Listen, they got him. And it was like, holy shit. I, I have talked to a bunch of people around the league who were like, you want to talk again? If if somehow the Jazz don't fall off the table, that will be the, the candidate for coach of the year for a sure. Chauncey. Sure. The buy-in and the opportunity. Like, Lowry Markin is balling his ass off, and he's doing it without needing the ball. Mm-hmm. Like they, they are just running stuff and doing stuff that nobody expected will be to happen. How do the Blazers handle Mike Conley? I think second in the NBA in assists right now. Yeah. At 36, 35, whatever it is. He was drafted in 07. Like think about that for a second. It's 15 years ago mm-hmm. for them. They're going to present a different challenge and opportunity for the Blazers. Like these three games are like, what do you think? Listen, if they come out of this two and one before going on this road trip, so they get these three games, they go out on four, they come back for one, and then they go back out on two. So it's basically another six game road trip. If they spend the next ten games and they go five and five, 
and they're what fourteen and nine through their first twenty three games. Cool. Cool. Like I, I just keep setting the bar at five hundred, and then they go over it. <laughs> well, and rightfully so. I mean, I, I, I don't think we should be expecting much more than that. And so, like, I, I think you're setting the bar at the right tone, at the, at the, at the right level. Um, I'm. It's weird. Like, I can't believe I'm telling you I'm excited about seeing them against the Jazz and the Spurs. Right? Like, like, it's they're just <laughs> like, different teams from what they've played. They're very and, they, and they the Spurs aren't good. The, the Spurs no, are not good, but they um, present unique challenges. They do. Brooklyn's fascinating just because, like, you know KD could get 40, but, like, that ultimately could not matter at all. Also, they're just long, but they don't have, like, impactful size. It's just... Yeah. It's it's just, again, it's a, it's a different trial for them. Yeah. So Well, I, I'm a little bummed I'm not going to be at that game because I hope they get the living ass boot out of them. You, you know you need to make it to a home game this season, right? I'll go. On a Friday or Saturday, okay. I'll go. Okay. Uh, it's uh, Not this weekend, coincidentally, but... On a Friday Saturday game, I will be going. I promise. Hey, I want to uh, get out there. I, I I will say this: uh, a little little tip of the cap if your uh, Pac-12 team won this weekend. Hey, hey. Uh, we're gonna get, win our last two games of the year. Hey, weird. So is USC. <laughs> what a coincidence! If you all didn't think that I was gonna say nothing about it, yeah, you don't know me. <laughs> Hey, I don't I don't say things like this very often. If Oregon State actually had like a good quarterback, they're probably the best team in the conference. And that feels weird to say out loud, but that's how I feel. Mm. We don't have a Caleb. We don't have a Bo. We don't have a Penix. No, like we I, got a Gold Branson. It, it's, no, I was just saying, it sounds like you listened to my show today. There you go. I'm babe. He won. Thank you. Thank you for supporting the show. And you can support the show, Brandon and I, both at 1080. Uh, Brandon with his co-host, Andy Dirk Johnson, from 6 to 9 in the morning. Uh, me with Dusty here at noon to 3. You can find us on social media at Jack Ramsey's, at Danny Morang, at Brandon Sprague. You can email the show, jackedramsey's at gmail.com, and you can find us there for all of our hot Blazers topics and content, as well as how much we both hate the Ducks. <laughs> uh, I'm getting some comments in the uh, in the chat right now. We almost made it. Shut up, Danny. Yeah. No, I, listen, I gotta, come on, guys. I'm going to have a little bit of fun. <laughs> Come on. You think I'm not going to do it? Let's let's be honest. This is me. Um, we will be back. Uh, no watch parties for the home for the homestand. And again, um, I go in on Wednesday for my MRI on my hip. I will have probably by the end of week, I will have clarification on when the surgery is. If it's going to be right. before the end of the year. Um, I, I've talked about this. If we do, if I do the surgery before the end of the year, actually, it doesn't matter when I do it. When I do the surgery, if there are if they are on a homestand or whatever it is, we will do watch parties for those games because I will not be going to the home games. If they're on the road, I'll be doing there already, doing them already. Yeah. Um, so those and what I'm going to do is those will be open to everybody. Those will be freebies as like, hey, here you go, guys. If you if you want to come in that way, just kind of bring the community together. Um, we've had around a hundred for each of the watch parties so far this season. The six game road trip, we, we were somewhere between seventy five and one hundred and ten, depending on what game and what night. Um, come hang out. Yeah, hang out. these these are a lot of fun. The more people we get in there, the, the better they get. Uh, they, they they tend to go off the rails, good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, and again, if you want to be, take part in those, uh, normally on all the road trips to become a member here on Jack Ramsey's, uh, subscribe, then click the join button. Uh, I think it's a, a buck 99. That's, that'll get you into all the contests and everything else. And again, if we make 5,000 by the end of, of the calendar year, I will give away one of these balls. So oh, I should say one of these autograph balls. Um, 
But with that, again, like, rate, view, subscribe, help us grow the show. If you're watching live, if you're watching the replay, please subscribe, help us grow the show. Other than that, everybody have a wonderful, wonderful night. Uh, maybe I'll do a Jack Ramsey's After Dark, depending on what time we, I get home from tomorrow night's game. Uh, those, the Jack Ramsey's After Darks will always kind of depend on when I get out of there, if it's a home game. Uh, <laughs> if, if, if I get home at 1230. You're, you got to hit the sheets. It's, it's going to be bed. dicey. I get home at 1130, we can, we can sneak one in. Oh we can my sneak God. one in. Go so, to bed. Yeah, you know, that's how it goes. <laughs> uh, everybody, again, thank you so, so very much. We love you. We appreciate you. Have a It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com